2 Corinthians chapter 2 and Isaiah 43. And we'll get to there in just a minute. <clears throat> this has two titles. The first title is The Power to Overcome. I'll give you the second title in just a second, but it's still The Power to Overcome. <clears throat> in Acts 1, verses 4 and 5, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. <clears throat> and I just wonder how many times we have tried to walk the Christian life to be like Christ in our own strength. You know, we, we just think that we can do it. Um, and I, I just want to encourage you, you, you might be able to act like Jesus for a little while. You might be able to do it on your own willpower, but... We can't be like Christ on a regular basis, on a daily basis, without the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, the, the Holy Spirit thinks differently. He sees differently. He speaks differently. Um, and He acts differently because He is different. He is different from our humanity because He is God. So obviously there's going to be a difference in how he sees things, what he does, what he speaks, what he sees. There's going to be a difference because he's God and we're not. But he's given us the Holy Spirit to help us. And that's Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And, you know, as we look at this and we've been looking at these scriptures, it's great that he gives us the power, but that means he's just given us the power to go through the transformation process. Because when we come to Christ, when we give our life to Christ, we're, we don't look like him. We don't act like him. We don't think like him. And so that power to be his witnesses means that there's a power that God's going to give us, which is the Holy Spirit, so that we can be transformed in our lives and become like Him. Because without the Holy Spirit, we can't be transformed. And how many of us are always trying to get God to see things our way? You know, if He would just see it the way we see it, then He would understand the help that we need. Why should we have to ask Him? But... Because he doesn't see it the way we see it. Because he's God. We struggle with that. You know, we spend most of our time trying to convince God of what we see, of what we think, of what we feel he ought to do, rather than just being quiet and still and saying, God, I need your help. What would you like to do in my life? When we do that, it's as if we're always trying to change God into our image rather than us being changed into His image. Which is what we're called to do. And the awesome good news of the Gospel is that God has given us the power to rise above our humanity, our wisdom, our understanding, our thinking that we know it all so that we can be like Him and we can be His witnesses. And so, 
by the power of the Holy Spirit, we have the power to overcome. And no matter what we have to overcome, and trust me, in all of us, there's so much to overcome, but God is up to the challenge if we will come before Him. So whatever the whatever it is that we have to overcome, maybe it's you that you have to overcome. Let's just start there. You know? Maybe it's our weaknesses and our shortcomings, our humanity, our adverse circumstances that we experience or just having to have to overcome the struggles of life because, you know, if you haven't figured it out, life isn't fair down here. But God is just. And He's given us the power to overcome, which means that He's given us the power to be victorious. And that brings us to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. And it says this, But thanks be to God who in Christ sometime, every once in a while, when He feels like it, I mean, that's how we think. But that's not what the Scripture says. The Scripture says, but thanks be to God who in Christ Jesus always leads us in triumphal procession. Always. Everybody say always. Not some of the time. Always. And through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. And we'll read that and then we'll look at our lives and we'll say, yeah, but I don't think I'm winning. You know, if he's always leading me in triumphal procession, then it seems like he's got a long parade that he's leading me through. And it is. But faith will has to put its focus on the things that are unseen, just as the word that came forth. We, we can't base our faith on what we see. That's always going to change. We have to place our faith on the unseen, which is God. When we're going through a struggle, we need to keep this scripture in our mind. And I'm giving you one out of Isaiah 43. Because we need to remind ourselves, and, and it's okay to remind God too. He, don't, he doesn't mind being reminded of His Word. As a matter of fact, He loves it. So when we're going through things, it's okay to remind him, God, you promised to lead me in triumphal procession. And he will. In Isaiah chapter 43, starting in verse 1. Isaiah 43, 1. But now, thus says the Lord, he who created you. Okay, who created you? The Lord. All right. Oh, Jacob. He who formed you, O Israel, fear not. That's a command. That's not an option. So when you're looking at things, he tells us to fear not. And why are we not to fear? For I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Isn't that awesome? I mean, like that scripture alone with 2 Corinthians 2.14, 
ought to be making you jump for joy in your seats right now. Your feet ought to be moving if they're not. Because you have a God who loves you, who cares for you, who's with you, who understands how we're made. And yet, we just kind of, we get mad at God on a regular basis because He's not doing things our way. Well, you know what? I've come to find out it's much better for me not to get my way than it is to have His way. His way is so much better. And we get so mad at God because we're praying, God, do this, God, do this, God, do this, and He doesn't do it because He's working something else in us. When? Everybody say when. Okay, this is not if. All right? This is not like maybe. When? Okay? Everybody say when. I want you to know that this is in your Bible. When? Everybody say when. All right, you ready for this? Verse 2, go ahead. When, everybody say when. When you pass through. Woo! That means you're not staying there. He says, when you pass through the waters, what's the promise? I'm going to be with you. And you say, Lord, but I feel like I'm drowning. He says, it's okay. I'm going to be with you. If you die, I'll resurrect you. Woo! When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And what's our first thing, you know? As soon as we get a little unsettled, you know, I mean, I grew up in Virginia Beach. You get out so far in the ocean, you can't feel the, the sand underneath you. It's okay. It's all right. You're going to make it. Another win. Everybody say win. When you walk through the fire. He doesn't say when you stay in the fire. He says when you walk through fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. Okay, so if you haven't gotten the message, you are going to go through the water. You're going to go through some waters. You're going to go through some rivers. You're going to go through some fires. Okay? But God is going to be with you. And verse 1 is so important because He's called us. He made us. He created us. He's redeemed us. We don't have to fear. Verse 3, For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Isn't that awesome? Man, 
I give Egypt as your ransom cushion, Seba, in exchange for you. And then he goes on. But I, I mean, this is just so beautiful. God is so good. He never leaves us or forsakes us. He's always right there with us, making a way for us. You know, I wanted to, for communion, I wanted to play the song Waymaker. And then I found out this morning when I got here, Waymaker, we were singing it. We we're opening with it. And then I'm like, okay. So then I got another one. God really loves us. And then guess what? I find out we're singing that one. So now you have to wait and see which one we're going to play. But it's neither one of those, but it's still good. But God is always leading us to victory. He's leading us in triumphal procession. And we need to know this and remember this when we're going through all of that stuff. When we're going through the trials, when we're going through the difficulties, when it seems like nothing is making sense in this world, and it seems as if we're getting hit on every side, we still have to know that when we go through it, we're going to pass through it. We're not staying there. It may seem as if it's a long time, but God says we're going to pass through. All right, if you're at 2 Corinthians chapter 2, Stay there. If not, go back there because I, I got to read something else. But before we get there, I, I have to tell you that I hate to burst our bubbles on this too, but I'm going to. I, I think this church is getting it because you've heard me say it quite a bit, but in case you haven't, I'll burst your bubble today and you can get mad at me and it's all right. <clears throat> when we are going through the trials, It's only about us for a little bit. A wee little bit. Okay? It's really not about us. It's really about the revelation of Jesus in us as we work through the process. And as we work through the process and Christ is revealed in us in a greater way, then what God is really trying to do is those people who are around you, where you work at, where you shop at, and they hear your story and they find out what you've gone through and they see the faithfulness of your God, then it's really not about you at all anyways. It's really about God. It's really about the love that Jesus has for us that is being revealed as we go through the things that God says we're going to go through while He's with us. And so I hate to burst your bubble. That's really not about you. It's about Him in us. Hallelujah. Let me prove this in 2 Corinthians 2.14. Let me read verse 14 again. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. Everybody say Him. Everywhere. Okay, but it gets better. Ready? Verse 15. For we are the aroma of Christ to God. So you smell. When you're going through all of these trials, you start smelling. Woo! For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. But here's the truth, man. Verse 16, to one of fragrance from death to death. In other words, when people come against you 
and they say all kinds of things about you, relax. They don't know God. They don't know Jesus. And they don't know what God is doing in your life. And so it's the smell of death to them. But for those who are beginning to see God in you, then it says this, to the other a fragrance from life to life. Hallelujah. And so there's people that will see life in you. They'll see that Christ in you. And it's not your responsibility to determine if they see death or life. That's their problem, not yours. You just let Christ be revealed in you as you're going through these things because he says when we go through them. When? Everybody say when. (laughs) We have to understand people are watching us and they're watching how we respond to our adversity because they're looking for hope. And when we respond in a godly way and we allow Christ to be formed in us, then the world sees that. And then they begin to have that glimmer of hope for their own life. And saying, well, if they trusted God and it worked out, maybe if I trust God, it'll work out too. And it will! That's what's so awesome about this. They, You know, when they go through something, you're going to come to their mind and they're going to say, wait a minute, I remember them and God was faithful to them. That God will be faithful to me. Isn't that awesome? And so... I want to share with you for the rest of the morning one of the greatest keys that I have found to help us to overcome when we're going through whatever we're going through. Whether it be the waters, the rivers, the fire, doesn't matter. The flame, doesn't matter. Whatever you're going through, I I have a key for you this morning. You ready for it? This is the next title, but let me get there first. And it only comes from the Holy Spirit. You don't have it in you. There's no way you can do this on your own. I'm just letting you know that now. That's why God says, stay here, wait. You're going to receive power to become my witnesses. Because it's not in us. But it is when we receive Christ in the Holy Spirit. All right, you ready? To overcome when we're in whatever it is. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to be quiet. Woo! I'm telling you, one of the best things that you can do when you're going through a trial, when you're facing adversity, keep your mouth shut. Don't say anything. The power to be quiet. So the first title is the power to overcome and the power to be quiet. Now look, if you're married, don't be elbowing your spouse and saying, I hope you're listening. This is for all of us. He has to teach us, the Holy Spirit has to teach us how to say nothing. And I want to, this is a perfect time to share this little information too. I had to go to the dentist last week and then I had to go again this week. Saw the same dentist, okay? 
When I saw him the second time, he said, oh, I remember you now. Now, y'all have to believe this. He said this. He said, you're the one with the small mouth. See? So I'm wanting you to know I have a small mouth, according to him. Mm-hmm. See, y'all, y'all used to think I had a big mouth. I don't. I have a small mouth. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, please. 1 Peter chapter 2. Do you think it might be easier for me to stay quiet? <laughs> no, it's not. Trust me. Even if you have a small mouth, it still is powerful. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 18. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Anybody ever have an unjust boss? You know, you go to work and nothing is fair. Everybody else is getting promoted and you're not getting promoted. Everybody else gets to do this. You can't do that. And you want to have a pity party. Too bad. <clears throat> you're supposed to be subject to them. Verse 19. For this is a gracious thing when, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure. But if, when, everybody say when. This is a when day. But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Isn't that awesome? And here's the reason why. Verse 21. For to this you have been called. Say, I'm called. Now say, I'm called to this. Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in His steps. In other words, God is going to teach us how to follow Him. How to be like Christ. And so there are going to be times when we are going to suffer unjustly. Because it's a teaching moment for us to answer the call that God has on our lives to be like Christ. Following in His footsteps. So then you have to say, well, what did He do? Here we go, verse 22. He committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in His mouth. And I'm going to interject some things in verse 23 to help us out. When, everybody say when. When he was reviled. He did not revile in return. He stayed quiet. When, everybody say when. When he suffered, he did not threaten. He stayed quiet. But continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. So I just want to encourage you, sometimes the best thing that we can do when we're suffering is to just stay quiet. And if you are like me, and you are, 
We need the Holy Spirit to help us to stay quiet. To do just that. How many times have we responded and said things we wish we had never said? And we have said things we wish that we could take back and wish that we had never, ever said them. We have all done that. And that is why if we want to become like Christ, following His footsteps, we have to have the power of the Holy Spirit to help us to stay quiet because, like I said earlier, it is not in us. We are not gifted with that nature that comes from God and God alone to be able to be quiet. When we are wronged, if you are like me, we want to lash back. We want to tell them what's on our mind. We want to give them a piece of our mind. But the Holy Spirit has to teach us not to. To keep our mind to ourselves and to be quiet. If you'll make your way to John chapter 15 and while you do that, I just want you to know for all of you who are married, I just gave you some of the best marriage counseling you will ever Receive. I have just helped you out. I want to remind you that Peter was writing to believers who are being killed, tortured, sought into, have become a spectacle to the world by being eaten alive by lions in the Colosseum. They were not being given the red carpet and applauded, but they were brutalized. And this is Peter's counsel to them of comfort. That when you are suffering unjustly, zip it. Keep your mouth quiet. Keep it closed. Don't say anything. And if you, you know, now that you know this, when you're getting ready to say something, before you say it, just cry out to the Lord and say, Holy Spirit, help me to be quiet. In John chapter 15, verse 18. Let's read this. For if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. <laughs> Isn't that great? What comfort. Thanks, Jesus. The world's going to hate me. And he says, but relax, it hated me first. Verse 19, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And, you know, this is rising up in the world, in, in America. I mean, it's been in the world, but it, it's rising up in America greater and greater. If you're going to be a follower of Christ, you have to be able to keep your mouth quiet sometimes. Not all the time, and, and we'll get to that in just a second, but there are times when we're going through the struggle, just don't say anything. Don't make, don't make your matters worse. 
Verse 20. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. See, when you got saved, nobody told you about this part. This is as you grow. If they kept your if they kept my word, they will keep yours. Verse 21, but all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If verse 22, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. And so I say this because of Peter's words and what the disciples and the believers were going through. It, it wasn't comfortable for them. And yet Peter comforts them with those words. And it brought me back to these words of Jesus. And so we need to make sure that we're of the same mindset, that we're, we have the same understanding. When the world hates you, they turn on you. And so now you have the opportunity to become like Christ and remain quiet. Still in John 15, a few verses down in verse 26, then Jesus tells them this. He says, but when the Helper comes, and He's speaking of the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, He will bear witness about Me. And you also will bear witness because you have seen Me from the beginning. But I want you to know that's for us as well, who are believing, who are following after Him. It's funny that if you're like me when someone hates you and they say all kinds of evil about you, we're so loving and kind, we want to fix them. And we want to help them. And we want to start talking to them and we want to convince them that they shouldn't hate us. But we have to remember that if they hated God first, they're going to hate us. And so, if people are speaking evil against you and it's not proper, then you're just going to have to stay quiet and trust God. Because they have to come to the place where they can trust God first. And they can love God first before they love you. But in our minds, we try to start saying more things and we start trying to prove that, you know, we're not hateful. You should love us. This is why it's so important for us to rely on the Holy Spirit. And his power to stay quiet, to stay still, to remain um, defenseless. You know, I, I've learned 
the more I walk with Christ, the more I've learned that I can't take things personally from other people. You just can't. Because they have their own issues. But we need the power of the Holy Spirit to stay quiet, to be still, to remain defenseless. When, if I say when, we are suffering unjustly. If you go back with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23. We're going to look at this. Again, and we're almost done and we're going to receive communion. First Peter chapter 2, verse 23. It says, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. So there's three things that he did here. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. So he stayed quiet. He didn't try and reason with him. When he suffered, he did not threaten. Man, if we could get that part down. You know, because when we suffer, our minds, don't they go 100 miles an hour, all the people we want to threaten, we want to say things about them too. And he didn't do that. He stayed quiet. And those are two things that we need to do. But this last step is, I think, the most important one because if you don't do this last step first, you're not going to be able to do the next two or the first two. Okay? It says that, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. We have to do that. We have to trust God. And I want you to know that you can trust God's heart for you. When Jesus was going through the most brutal time of his life, it says that he continued to entrust Himself to him who just judges justly. We as humans are so concerned about life being fair and trying to make it fair, and it isn't fair. When Jesus went through all the pain and the humiliation and everything that he went through when he went through the cross and even before that died for us. When I read 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23, then I believe that during those moments when he was hanging on the cross, I mean, it was brutal before that, but even when he's hanging on the cross, I can believe that the Holy Spirit was saying something like this to him. You can trust the Father's heart. Trust me. You can trust the Father's heart for you. He loves you. And He is with you through it all. I'm here to tell you that if you will continue to entrust yourself to Him who judges justly, you will be able to remain silent. 
when people revile you, and when you suffer unjustly. But we have to come to that place. And I want to encourage you this morning, it's okay for us to remain quiet when all manner of evil has risen against us because we know that God loves us and we indeed can trust the Father's heart for us just like Jesus did. Staying quiet, I believe, is the real example that Peter was trying to get us to pay attention to with Christ. Those are going to help serve communion if you'll make your way up. And so as we receive communion this morning, may we do it with a renewed trusting of the Father's heart and His love for us. And may we stay quiet. Randy, come on up. May we stay quiet when needed. Now, I want you to be assured there are times when we ought to speak. But there are times, especially when we're going through the suffering, that we remain quiet. If you'll hold the element, they're going to pass them out. If you'll hold it until everybody is taken and then we'll receive together. And while they're passing out, before you play the video, let me just read this.